alcohol less, grow up. Grow up. <laughs> Just throw extra vodka in this. All right, let's crack this shit. Good crack. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to witness the world's number one wrestling podcast. Let me pod to you. Yeah. Welcome to Let Me Pod to You. I'm Jacob. You can block me on Twitter at We Hate Jacob. That's hate with an eight. I'm here with my co-host Dimitri. You can find him on Twitter at just Dimitri underscore. How are you, Dimitri? You're pretty good, man. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. This week we will be breaking down this week of wrestling after the nightmare that was the Raw after Mania. I feel like AEW and SmackDown both delivered, and WWE seems to be back in Triple H's hands, which you know is a good thing. Um, our format is headlines, stocks rising, stocks falling. These can be specific wrestlers, storylines, etc. to kick off the conversation. But first, Dimitri, who is top of the mid this week? Drum roll, please. We don't actually... Okay, perfect. Make the drum roll sound. <laughs> Yo, we got co-winners this week. All right. For the top of the mid, um, o- only reason is because Don Mysterio is just consistently just chef kiss, top of the mid, consistently every week at this point. Um, so I can't have him win every week. So we had to do co-winners this week. So this week we got Otis and Don Mysterio. All right. So here's my here's my explanation on Otis. He had a pretty good match there, that tag team match. You watched that on Raw? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that was a good match. Um, I love where his character's going. Um, I think Otis is just, in general, fucking hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I love the way he talks. I love the way he moves. I love when he hits that worm. That shit is beautiful. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love Otis. Um, it seems like they are really pushing him and Chad Um which I like to see. Uh, and again, it was it was just a really good, solid match between them and the Usos. Uh, pretty entertaining. I think it might be my favorite match of the night. But, you know, I'm a little biased towards, uh, you know, my boy Otis <laughs> and Chad. But, uh, no, nah, that was a great match. Definitely uh, top of the mid there, Otis. And again, I just want to mention my boy Dom. Um, Dom Mysterio, consistent, man. This guy... This guy knows how to remain at the top of the mid. I've never seen anybody come in day in and day out, just scream, I'm top of the mid, and, and just own that shit. Like, he, he's he got actual heat now. And we we both know that he's hella corny. Um, sometimes he stutters on his delivery or delivers part of his promo wrong. I feel like he does that, like, every night. He says something wrong. And fucks it up. But it's fine. Because he's a little asshole. And it works for me. So, Dom, shout out to you for being my top of the mid this week. Shout out to Otis. Love them both. Yeah, okay. Starting with Otis. The way he came out when the Alpha Academy's music hit. Oh, And he did yes. the little moonwalk out <laughs> from the back. And Chad kind of looked at him like, this is my top guy, but he <laughs> might be leaving me. Yep. And then did a little shuffle in the ring too. Like he's he's playing it up really well. They had that little backstage segment on Raw last night as well where uh they had uh Maxine Dupree and Chad kind of fighting over Otis and he's like, "Come on, come on. There's enough Ot- Otis to go around." <laughs> you know, like they're they're really playing it up and I think it's working really well, you know, as it has been. But yep. Dom, 
the heat on SmackDown was fucking nuclear. Absolutely. Like, he he looked around at Finn and Damian Priest like, what do I do? <laughs> like, like he was looking at him like, I know I'm supposed to get this. Like, this is this was the goal. But now that we're here, how do I get out of it? <laughs> like, he didn't know what to do. Like, Damian kept patting him on the back like, just, 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 just cut it. Just cut it. Just do, just do the thing. <laughs> just, just say the words. And he was like, he looked a little lost, but hey, he's he's doing his job as a as a heel. Excellently at that. Yeah, Montez Ford tweets, "God is good every morning." Dom tweets, "I am top of the mid." <laughs> uh, my headline this week is MJF can sing. So <gasps> last week's dynamite. MJF Day was wild. It was one of my favorite segments in wrestling this year, I think. And I couldn't look away. And I couldn't quite understand and grasp that it was really happening. Because this man got a full band with a conductor and came out in a white tuxedo jacket, danced around and sang a song all the way down to the ring. Where then he turns it over to a city council person who then cuts a basically a heel manager promo for MJF being the best person to ever come out of Long Island and gives MJF a giant key to the city because the actual regular size key to the city they gave him in a real ceremony at the city council meeting the previous night wasn't up to MJF's standards. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, this whole segment was insane. He, MJF is a heel everywhere but Long Island. AEW goes to Long Island, and this man is the top face in the company. <laughs> like, uh, and it, it kind of dissipated at the end. He went back up to the band, was going to sing another little song, and then uh, Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, was holding some cymbals and crashed him behind, you know, behind MJF's head and took him out after that and they had a little little kerfuffle but the mjf singing <laughs> songs my goodness i was captivated yeah and we had uh talked about this briefly before the pod but uh you definitely got to check out that uh mjf and chris jericho little duet they did because this reminds me of that uh, i might have to watch this uh this mjf singing after the pod as well i'm intrigued <laughs> yeah here, here's the thing though mjf can actually sing Chris Jericho just kind of talks things. You Dude, know, he- <laughs> that is legit facts. Actually, I was about to say this. So Chris Jericho has a whole ass fucking band. And when they did a duet, MJF was like legit. And I was like, yo, Chris Jericho sounds mad mid next to MJF. Looks mad mid next to MJF too, but Ooh, who's counting? Shots uh, fired. <laughs> <laughs> Dimitri, who's your first stock rising? Uh, that's going to go to my girl EO Sky, the number one chicken tender this week. To the women's, <laughs> to the women's belt on Raw, that's really exciting. You know, I, I, this whole time since uh, Damage Control has debuted, um, I would put it like this: I love every single individual member of Damage Control. So I love Bailey, I love Dakota Kai, and I love Io Sky. Damage Control hasn't really worked that well. We got those little hints recently with the tweets. And then with um, 
what happened on Raw whenever we had that little segment between um, Damage Control where it was Bailey got a match somehow. Um, and then I think Dakota Kai and Eos Kai were kind of upset. They were like, why not us? Uh, which, fair, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're putting in work. And what, 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 is, what has Bailey actually done to deserve a, a championship shot? I don't really think much. Um, so, yeah, they kind of planted the seeds for um, damage control breaking up. I think it's a good thing for all of them. We kind of mentioned that last week. But um, stocks are definitely high on EO Sky because, man, in the ring, she can fucking go. Like, uh, you watch an EO Sky match, and there's, like, multiple times in the match, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> well, you know it's kind I mean? of... It's kind of like what we talked about last week with uh, Bianca Belair. Um, you can't take your eyes off her in any yes. match she's in. If she's mm-hmm. in, a, in a regular tag, a six-man, a triple threat, wherever Bianca Belair is, you're drawn to it. Same with Rhea Ripley. You're drawn to Rhea. Io Sky is very similar, where yes. you're always looking around thinking, where's Io? Oh shit! She's jumping off the top rope. If they had a if they had a fourth rope, Io would be jumping off that one. <laughs> she is fearless, and it, it's so fun to watch her her entrance music and the light show that goes on. Slaps absolute <laughs> banger. Yes, it's it's one of those like anytime I see it on Twitter, I watch it. That yep. blah, 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 and the lights are going. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like I I want I want that. Yeah, she's got the whole package. Yeah, it's it's good. Th- there were some other little subtle things with uh, with damage control too. Um, Io and Dakota Kai were you know once again in in matching kind of outfits backstage. They have they they look like they're a team. Yep. Bailey then is wearing like black bodysuit and that fluorescent yellow kind of like jumpsuit. Neon. Over. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't match. She doesn't look like the team. She comes out of the meeting with with the manager Adam Pierce, and she's like, "I've got myself a shot at you know getting back into the title picture." Mm-hmm. They're not impressed because they they're like, "What are you doing for us? You're supposed That's... to be leading this group. You're supposed to be helping us out. What am I doing? We're working. Where are you?" So you know, props to Bailey to for giving it over to EOS guy, but she didn't really have much of a choice. Mm-hmm. And then after the match, there was a quick camera cut to uh, Dakota and Bailey off the ring and dakota kai is cheering her little ass off for for eos guy and bailey's doing like a little clap but no real facial expression mm, so i didn't even was, peep that yeah bailey looked a little you know kind of maybe this slight hope that eo wasn't going to win to kind of say hey you wanted the shot you didn't take it i get the shots now but eos or bailey is underestimating her own stable and they're surpassing their need for Bailey. Damn son. What can I say? (laughs) Uh, My first stock rising is announcing bigger shows than your rivals. And I'm talking about AEW going to fucking (laughs) Wembley stadium and forbidden door Two. WWE. You know, they've got their big pay-per-views. They got SummerSlam. They got WrestleMania. They got some others scattered in there, but they're, they're pretty comfortable in their, in their regular you know, slate of shows that we're going to get throughout the year. AEW, younger company, they got to make some more splashes. This announcement of AEW going to Wembley is nuts. Tony Khan, the snowman himself, 
looked at WWE <laughs> doing wait, wait. Clash at the Castle. Is, is that a cocaine reference? The snowman? No, it's not oh. a cocaine reference. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> no, it's totally not, guys. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not. Ariel Hanwani said it first. Uh, <laughs> AEW saw WWE uh, doing a Money in the Bank at the O2. Big arena. That's a big show. That'll be fun. Uh, Clash of the Castle last year. That was, a, that was a big show. That's fun. Tony Khan said, I've got connections. I own a football club. I own Fulham. We got a small stadium. We can't do it at the cottage. Let's go to Wembley. Let's go to Wembley. 90,000 seat stadium. And that's before they put stuff around the ring. AEW, they're not going to sell out that show. But if AEW gets 60,000, 70,000 people into Wembley for a wrestling show at the end of summer, that's a statement. That is a big statement. So let's talk a little bit about what AEW's got to do to sell that show. Because they've got some work to do, in my opinion. FTR Bald, he had a good idea. He said, you know, you want to sell tickets to a show like this, let's bring back CM Punk. CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite. Sold. I'm buying the pay-per-view. I might fly to England for that. I don't even that, watch AEW, but I'd watch for that. Exactly. It's a needle mover. That is what gets people to tune in, some shit like that. They're going to keep signing stars. They're going to find ways to get other stars from other promotions in here, too. And that kind of leads me into Forbidden Door 2 that's coming up um, in about a month or two now. I have a big hope. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I have a big hope that they find a way to get Mercedes Monet, the artist formerly known as Sasha Banks, (laughs) into that show. That'd be sick. I'd tune in for that as well. She keeps saying in every press bit that she does i go where the bag is well i know a rich guy who runs aew so <laughs> he's gonna throw a bag and if they have sasha banks versus jamie hater sasha banks versus sorry mercedes monet versus jamie hater mercedes monet versus Britt baker they, let's do a tag team mercedes and someone naomi question mark question mark question mark mm. versus Britt baker and jamie hater That is, again, that's a needle mover. That gets people to buy your pay-per-view. That can be a main event. You know, forget putting MJF out there. He doesn't want to wrestle anyway. (laughs) Mercedes Monet main eventing Forbidden Door 2 would be huge. And again, Tony Khan just slapping his dick on the table. Like, let's do it. I'm here for it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I would be here for that. And again, for anybody listening, I am not an AEW watcher. So uh, if I would tune into something and buy a pay-per-view for that. That means it's a big deal. <laughs> and and with, with Dimitri being less of an AEW watcher, don't worry, my dear listeners, when we get towards the AEW pay-per-views, I'm going to be bringing in an AEW expert to mm. preview those shows. So don't worry. We have you covered. <laughs> um, what is your next stock rising? WWE draft in general, yo. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. I, I've, so a little backstory here. I'm kind of obsessed with drafts. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah. know that. Uh, but, like, I am obsessed with drafts. I like the NFL draft, the NBA draft. I like drafting on NBA 2K. I like drafting on Madden. I like watching everything before a draft. I love watching all the content after a draft. So, in turn, I absolutely fucking love the WWE draft. I will say... The last draft, 
I was severely disappointed with the way they did it because it was just kind of like, kind of like a, it felt like half-assed, kind of like they were just like, hey, we're doing a draft, and then we had a show, and then they were like, oh, hey, and by the way, so-and-so is on SmackDown. Oh, hey, and by the way, so-and-so is on Raw. And it was just like, really? Like, it was just like they made the decision, and then they were just like, let everybody know where they put everybody slowly, and it was just, it didn't do it for me. It didn't feel like a draft that I know and love in my heart, you know? The only things that I remember about the last draft was Paul Heyman harassing Adam Pierce the, for the entire show to keep the entire bloodline on SmackDown. <laughs> and uh, it was Charlotte Flair was the Raw Women's Champion and Becky Lynch was the SmackDown Women's Champion, I believe. And they got drafted to opposite brands because they hate each other. <laughs> and they that. had to do a belt swap that went poorly. Yeah, that thing in the middle of the ring, I remember that. Yeah, that's the only two things I remember about the last draft. Yeah, so clearly not a memorable draft. Um, I remember, so when I was younger, you know, I remember a few drafts. Um, I can't remember any specifics, but I do know that they were more interesting. I do know they made it a big deal, and it was a big thing to see who went where. Like, I vividly remember when I was little when John Cena got drafted to Raw and how big of a fucking deal that was. Why? Because I couldn't watch SmackDown because I didn't get SmackDown where I mm. lived. It didn't come in. So, like, I knew John Cena was a megastar. I played with him on Raw vs. SmackDown, the video games. I saw clips of him every week on Raw when they would give us a little preview, a little taste of what was happening on SmackDown. But I could never actually watch the man live. And when he got drafted to Raw, I was so fucking hype and i i love that feeling of where like a superstar is drafted somewhere and it actually changes things i guess this kind of leads into where i'm going here is i need this draft to actually mean something i don't like when play when players when wwe superstars get <laughs> drafted to different brands but it's like nothing changed like they can pop up on whatever show they want it's just like why did they even get drafted if they're going to show up on every show, if everybody's going to be intermingled? Some people got different feelings about this, but I like it to be completely separated. That way, like the brands have their own identity. And whenever superstars do intermingle, it feels like a huge motherfucking deal. You know what I mean? Because it kind of is at that point. Um, so I'm really hoping they go that route. And if they do go that route, I think it's a great time to split up guys like Montez and Angelo. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. You don't got to turn anybody heel. You don't got to write a storyline about it. You can just break them up and, uh, you know, they can be upset about it. They can still be homies or whatever because, you know, no bad blood, nothing bad happened between them. They just got split up. Um, so I think this is a big opportunity for guys like Montez, Angelo, Otis, um, Chad Gable, um, any stable that's really not kind of clicking right now, or maybe is clicking, but they got people in there that need a singles run or, you know, you want to see on a singles run. Cause I want to see Chad Gable on a singles run. I want to see Otis on a singles run. I want to see Montez and Angelo on singles runs. I think they all deserve it. And I think arguably that can be a stronger storyline anyway. And I mean, a lot of a lot of guys who've worked together for a long time, like Montez and Angelo, they don't want to have a, 
you know, one turns on the other to break up the tag team. They they don't mm-hmm. want that as just people. So for them, they, they would probably much rather, if they are going to kind of go their separate ways at this point, they'd probably rather have it be via the draft and have that be a story. And then for big events, you know, you can bring them back together right. for for a one-off tag team situation. And special. And special. And they're, yeah. they're so happy to see each other. They're happy to work together again. You know, it gives you, I think, more flexibility because when you have one guy turn on the other, you have to do a lot of work to kind of show that trust is back. Think, think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of groundwork that had to go in for them to be a tag team again because Kevin Owens has fucked Sammy over so many times. <laughs> so there there's a lot there's a lot more groundwork that needs to be put in. Question for you, Dimitri. Yeah. Should we do a mock draft? Oh, absolutely, dude. <laughs> you know I'm here for that. That's another I draft that, I can do. Damn right. That, that would be fun. All right. We'll we'll <laughs> My dear listeners, we will we will put together something as we get closer to the draft that we'll we'll have a a, a mock draft. Dimitri, you can be you can be raw because I know you love raw. Hell yeah! My other question that I had the first draft was who is drafting them? Is it just Adam Pierce with a with a whiteboard? <laughs> that is a great question. Actually, uh, I have no idea. If you know what, here's another idea I have that you just spawned. If they're going to do a draft. Bring back the goddamn GMs. Let me get a Raw GM and a SmackDown GM. And let it have... Maybe this is nostalgia. I don't know. I like it this way. It feels more akin to, like, NBA, NFL, you know, actual, like, sports. I like when there's two GMs going at it, and they're both trying to produce a better show. And they're both trying to get better champions. And they both want to get the most wins on the Mm pay-per-view. I think that, like, adds an extra layer on top of the storylines that are kind of happening, you know, within each brand respectively. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I mean, Adam Pierce, they could probably just make him the GM of one of the shows. And for, for a little while when uh, Sonya Deville was hurt and she was acting as a, as a, as a manager, they had her kind of more on SmackDown. It seemed Uh, that was in the the bad times when raw was almost unwatchable. (laughs) The dark times. I don't don't know what Adam Beers was doing because I was just seeing Sonya Deville. Uh, I think that'd be a good idea. I think I got a dream scenario. I got a dream scenario here. Uh, My dream scenario would be bring back two legends and make them GMs. Back in the day, Stone Cold ran raw. I would love to see Stone Cold and Kurt Angle run Raw and SmackDown respectively. They're both great on the mic. They're both hilarious. They're both way past their prime, even though Stone Cold did pretty good at WrestleMania. I'll give them that. But uh, I, I just like to see Stone Cold on screen and Kurt Angle, so that would be dope as fuck to me. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for both of those guys would be not wanting to travel every week. Scheduled to whatever rough. show. Yep. You know, Stone, Stone Cold would be like, yeah, can I do this from Texas? You know, I'm not leaving the ranch. I got rats to kill. What? <laughs> exactly. He, he'd get a call from Triple H saying, "Hey, can you manage Raw? What? <laughs> can you manage Raw? What? Oh God! Can you imagine the what chance if he actually like came back and <laughs> started doing that to people again? <laughs> dream scenario. This is the the peak dream scenario. It's like that meme where the brain's expanding. Where I'm at Galaxy Brain now. First pick in the draft. Stone Cold drafts L.A. Knight. <laughs> 
Oh! <laughs> yeah! What? That would that's be what we get the whole time. <laughs> that is a peak dream scenario. I'm here for it. <laughs> All right. Drafts aside, my next stock rising, surprise, surprise, back to AEW, is Billy Starks. I will admit, did not know who Billy Starks was before AEW announced Battle of the Belt 6. Uh, this feud with her and, and Jade Cargill really kind of spawned on Twitter more than anything where Billy Starks called out Jade and got the match at Battle of the Belts. Some backstory on Billy Starks. She is an 18-year-old prodigy. And that's what they kept saying on uh, on the TV. She made her TV debut last Friday on Battle of the Belt 6, and she was only able to travel to the taping from where she lives in Louisville, Kentucky, because she had the day off of school. She is a senior in high school. She has four titles from four different indie promotions. And like, there's this picture on her Twitter, you, you should check it out, of her in her prom dress with her arms out with all the belts. It's insane. That's sick. And she was <laughs> so good. It was crazy how good she was. And on that line, she has signed a contract with AEW. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. I mean, is she going to be on TV all the time? Probably not. She got to graduate high school first. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if I'm Billy Starks and I'm looking at my options here, it's, you know, I can, I could sign with AEW. They'll probably get me some time on dark and elevation and, you know, on ROH tapings as well, most likely. Or I could go to WWE and be an NXT and be on NXT dark for like two years and then start making brief appearances on NXT in year three and then maybe starting to get some shots in NXT, like actually main eventing the women's side in NXT in year four or five. And then, you know, I'm, you know, in my mid-20s by the time I'm on NXT consistently. I got to say, man, um, I think it's really cool uh, that AEW gets a ch- gives a chance to like so many different wrestlers. Because mm-hmm. when, when it was just WWE around, it was like WWE or bust. I mean, you had Impact, uh tna for a little bit um, yuck <laughs> yuck uh you know when you had some indie guys go there but i feel like i didn't i didn't even watch that that much but from what i remember it was a lot of ex wwe guys who were like kind of older uh going there hulk hogan uh i heard kurt angle had his best years there kind of missed those so that's kind of sad was there AJ Sting, styles yuck. jeff hardy uh, i always wanted to watch abyss but not to get distracted here. Anyways, <laughs> we actually we're actually talking up impact. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love that AEW does that. Um, I I kind of want to get back into watching AEW because you know I did watch when it first you know kind of started airing, um, and then I kind of just fell out and haven't got back in it. But kind of want to. It's really good. It's really really good. Uh, on that line too, though, AEW is also comfortable giving guys no contract shots on TV too. Like Dragon, like Dragon Lee, he's on NXT now, and he's he's gonna light it up. He's going he's going to the main roster probably within a year or two because he has a shitload of experience in AAA. But AEW gave him three or four matches on Dynamite and Rampage, and he lit it up. And they offered him a contract. WWE offered him a contract, and he opted with WWE. That's fine. That's sick. But for someone like Billy Starks, who's eighteen. AEW will also give that person the flexibility to work 
shows for other promotions while being signed to AEW, which is something that WWE will not allow. So if she's not getting the time on TV where the money really is in AEW, she's still going to be able to go defend her four belts with these other indie promotions throughout the Midwest if she wants to do that. And she's just got to show up to tapings when she's called. So what you're telling me here is WWE is iPhone and AEW is Android. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) That settles that. Uh, the other the other things I'll, I'll mention from that match, uh, Jade won. You know, of course, she kept her uh, she kept her uh, undefeated streak going. Uh, she went for her finisher, the Jaded, three times. Finally, got it on the third attempt. But you know, first of all, Billy getting out of it twice is pretty nuts. Like no one escapes Jade. Uh, there was a point um, in the match where Jade bent Billy over her knee and spanked her to teach that kid a lesson, <laughs> which was very funny. Rey Mysterio-esque. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, Taya Valkyrie also came out at the end. She's going to be the next big challenger to Jade. Um, and she tried to hit her, her finisher, which is the Road to Valhalla, which is the same move as Jaded. Um, and Jade escaped, which is you know building to their future match coming up. I'm guessing that's probably going to be at the next pay-per-view um but that's a little ways away for them to keep stretching this out oh we're in stocks falling all right dimitri stock falling what do you got so uh first one here um drew mcintyre man uh so i've seen rumors that like um he's unhappy Mm -hmm. uh which you know if i were him i'd probably be unhappy too um I know you're not like the biggest Drew McIntyre guy, but I don't think you hate him. Uh, but uh, no, you're not the biggest Drew McIntyre guy. But I really like Drew McIntyre. Um, he kind of carried. Uh, what was it? I don't remember if he was on Raw or SmackDown. Now that I think of it, uh, SmackDown. whenever it was pandemic, pandemic was SmackDown. Mm-hmm. All right, he kind of carried SmackDown um, during the pandemic. Uh, that was a good time. He was kind of sounding sort of just like a big, old, hairy, muscly dude who could fucking beat some ass. The Claymore kick was fucking a mason, and that boy was over. Um, he was over as hell. And then somewhere along the line, uh, I don't even know when it started happening, but after that run, I, I think it coincides with when he started fucking carrying a sword to the ring. Um, he started carrying a sword to the ring, and ever since then, it's just kind of been like, whack. Whack. Well, he also got released in that time frame as well and went to Impact for a bit. And then, no, 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 no. Not back then. I'm not oh, talking no, about no, back, back then. then. Oh, okay. No. I'm talking about like recently, like uh, hmm. very recently, uh, you know, within the last couple of years, he had carried it on SmackDown. Then he didn't get released then. There was like a long time ago he got released and he was kind of okay. like... Mixed him up. My bad. <laughs> uh, my theory with Drew McIntyre is that he is a very compelling challenger, but once he gets to that summit and he either wins or loses, he becomes much less compelling directly after he reaches that kind of title shot summit. So That is pretty much what happened. <laughs> he, from what I've seen of Drew McIntyre, he had a very good build with Roman for the, the Universal title at Clash good. at the Castle. That was one of those matches that I was thinking oh, shit, he might actually do it. That's how compelling it was for Drew. Did I want Drew to win? Fuck no. But <laughs> it was compelling. I was I was convinced something could happen, which is more than I can say 
with most of Roman's challengers. Um, then, you know, this build recently with Sheamus towards the Intercontinental title. Good build. He gets to that point. And now it's like, the fuck do we do with Drew? Sheamus and his friends are still beating up on Imperium. You know, they, I think they're going to run it back. Sheamus and Gunther one-on-one <laughs> at Backlash. I think that's what they're kind of leading towards with, with that. But Drew's not there. Um, I, I just don't think... If Drew McIntyre wants to be a consistent main eventer, he's not it. That's not him. He's not Roman. He's not Cody. He's just not... He's not at that point that he's that compelling week in, week out. Ooh, brother, we have very differing opinions on this one. That's that's new. Let's <laughs> let's go. So I I love Drew. Like I think Drew can be compelling. Uh, I do agree with you that he kind of reached that summit with with Roman, and then it just kind of like fizzled out, and it was just kind of like he was just kind of hanging around doing whatever. But man, I'm telling you that that pandemic run really made me a fan. He carried it. I swear to God, he carried it. The Claymore kick was fucking undefeated. He was whooping ass. He. My main comparison for me was like, when I was watching him, I was thinking of like a Scottish version of like Triple H, which is a weird thing to say, but he, you know, he's like a big manly burly man, right? And his moveset wasn't crazy, but he had that killer finisher, which Triple H had the pedigree put somebody the fuck away Mm -hmm. he had the claymore kick uh drew had the claymore kick as soon as he hit it he put somebody the fuck away and he was taken so seriously during that time and where i got with the sword is like somewhere along the line he got like it just felt like less serious like i don't know it's just i don't know if it's his fault i think he where we differ in opinion is is i think like he's can take that step and i think he can be a main eventer but i'm not sure that they're putting him in the greatest position to do so i think like built correctly he could be like the guy or if not the guy like the next guy right below the guy yeah i mean i i could see that i think I think a more comfortable place for Drew would honestly be more in the mid card belt area. Top of the mid, you say? Could be, could be. <laughs> maybe, maybe with the draft, he moves over to Raw. He gets off SmackDown for a little bit, and he can he can mess with Austin Theory and go for the U.S. title. I think he'd be mess with Austin Theory. <laughs> yeah, just mess with him. He's poking with a sword. <laughs> um, like I, I could see Drew McIntyre getting a run at the at the U.S. title. That that belt seems to be more gettable, in my opinion. If, Absolutely. If we're, if we're looking at all the belts right now, Roman's not touched. Gunther's yeah. not getting touched. Yeah. I think the U.S. title could could be something that could be up for grabs. Absolutely, a theory. Just man. Yeah. U- U.S. title absolutely is the most easily attainable title right now. Yeah, and, and may, may, maybe Triple H will bring back the twenty four seven belt. Drew could go for that. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> hey man, don't disrespect our truth, man. That's his title. Speaking yeah, of our truth, our I truth? miss our truth. He got hurt. <laughs> he got hurt. Remember that? Oh, he did. Oh, that's right. NXT. Poor guy. Yeah, I really liked the thing he did last year where he was. Uh, he got his referee certificate. That was fun, <laughs> dude. He's hilarious. I miss him. My first stock falling are the ass boys 
back to <laughs> AEW. Sorry, Dimitri. No, no, no. I like to hear it. Keep me updated, baby. <laughs> so an AEW Dynamite last Wednesday, uh, the main event was FTR versus the Ass Boys for the Tag Team Championships in a titles versus careers match. The Guns tried to cheat for a DQ so they keep their belts and FTR would have to leave, which I thought was actually a pretty decent strategy. So uh, Austin Gunn hit FTR bald in the balls. And then the referee is about to point, ring the bell for the DQ. Cash Wheeler jumps in, grabs the referee's arm, and says, "No, we don't want the DQ. We're gonna, we're gonna fight through it." So it ended up becoming a match that was essentially a no rules for the guns and FTR having to play by the rules, which was very interesting to see them have to fight through that. I was convinced that FTR was leaving AEW. FTR is probably my favorite tag team in wrestling. I know that I am not in the majority of my friends who watch who watch AEW for FTR, but when they were in their belt collector uh, gimmick last year, I loved it. Them coming out with three sets of tag belts was insane. It looks so much better than on WWE where you've got the same belt, but one's red and one's blue. When you've got the AAA, the ROH, and the IWGP tag team belts, you've got three different belts. It just looked so badass. And they look so prestigious. The other belts yeah. look so much more prestigious mm-hmm. than the WWE belts. Sorry, WWE, you got you to gotta fix those. The old, the old ROH tag belts that they just retired, those belts slapped. They were some of the best belts. Uh, but I was convinced FTR was gone. I, I didn't think they were going to stick around. They've been kind of talking up that they were not super happy with AEW. But then Vince McMahon ran raw after Mania. Mm-hmm. FTR, you know, they've said that it wasn't that wasn't part of their decision. The big part was not having to do house shows with AEW, having the flexibility to be home with their families every week and not being on the road constantly which understandable, but I was convinced they were gone. Uh, This match ended with um, FTR bald, also getting a belt to his face, kicking out dramatically. It was like 2.999 on that one. Uh, Dax goes for a sunset flip. The ass boys hold on to each other so that it doesn't go down. Cash Wheeler jumps off the top rope onto the the gun that was holding up the other gun. I don't they they look the same. I can't tell them apart. <laughs> and it hits hits the sunset and it was a double pin. So FTR both of the guys were on top of both of the guns for the the 1 2 3 and new. And yeah, FTR two-time champions in AEW. I think we're going to be in for a fairly long run with them as champions. I could also see if they are going to do some kind of reintegration with CM Punk um, throughout this year that FTR does a slow heel turn um, during their belt collector phase. They were they were technically faces in AEW, but heels everywhere else. So I could see them doing a slight heel turn on AEW television to keep things fresh because they now that they have those belts they do not want to lose them interesting what's your next stock falling well uh my next stock falling 
unfortunately is is theory man uh again again. um i don't know if it's the like um travel issues but i mean correct me if i'm wrong i don't remember seeing theory anywhere on any of the shows this week do you no all right uh interesting i'm gonna chalk it up this time to travel uh we'll see um but it didn't do him any favors. Uh, the John Cena match was already pretty blah. Um, after John Cena coming out the week after and facing Rey Mysterio, and he really didn't have much. It was it was Rey Mysterio he faced, right? Yes. Yeah, thought so. Yeah, and he really didn't have much of reaction from the crowd in the first place. Um, I thought the match was gonna the John Cena match was gonna do something for him, but it, it really just felt like more of the same the week after. I'm not. It doesn't. I'm not buying his character. Um, I wanted to buy his character. I had so many reasons backing up as to why I liked the direction that it was going, but I. It seems to have stopped motion, and I feel that way. It seems like the crowd feels that way, and ironically, that sort of happened this week when travel got you know messed up or whatever. I'm assuming that's what happened, and he wasn't on the show. Um, the fact that he was missing on the show, honestly, not that big of a, like, I don't feel like I was missing something. The biggest thing I think I was missing is the U.S. championship. Uh, that's about it. What were you going to say? That, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is yeah. You, I, com- I forgot he existed. Exactly. Until you just mentioned, yeah, he wasn't on, on Raw this week. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, he wasn't there. That's not good when <laughs> right. the only guy with a with a belt on Raw isn't there and we don't notice. I had to think about it, too, because when I had brought this up and um, decided on doing theory as my stock falling, I was like, at first I was going to do whatever he did wasn't memorable. But then I was like, wait, did he do anything? <laughs> and then I was like, wait, no, he didn't do anything. All right. Well, that is that explains that. That's wild. Yeah, I'm. I, I, probably going to give him a slight pass because it seemed like there were massive travel issues yeah they mentioned at the top of the show that Sami Zayn and riddle couldn't get in and they showed up at the very last second of raw they were running into the stadium literally out of a out of a a, probably an uber i was gonna (laughs) say a taxi but you know probably an uber um and they got there right at the end so i wouldn't be surprised if it was travel issues maybe Maybe next week on Raw, he cuts some kind of promo being like, I'm the United States champion. I should be getting a private jet so travel doesn't affect me. Because <laughs> something like that. I could see him doing some shit. Because I'm the now. That's, what, <sighs> that's exactly what he's I hate that so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about ready for a new U.S. champion. I, it's just not compelling. Yeah, I agree. I'm... I'm not interested in what he has to say. I wanted him to be way more interesting. I really wanted to buy into it, uh, but I'm just not. Uh, there were so many other recent uh, US, USA champions that I just liked so much more. Um, thinking about a couple here. Bobby Lashley. I loved Bobby mm-hmm. Lashley's um, mm-hmm. title run. That was so good. And let's just say the belt looks so good on Bobby, man. Yep. Like, no pause needed. Bro, the belt looks great on Bobby. Um, put it, I wouldn't mind putting it back on Bobby. Literally, I, I wouldn't mind putting it back on anybody else. Give it to Chad, man. Please. 
<laughs> but Bobby's also continued to look really strong too. I mean, consistently. Th- this week on Raw, he had um, he had a challenge from a meaty man to maintain his title of meatiest man on Raw. Like he's <laughs> that that's his goal right now is to just be I'm the meatiest. That's what he's going for. That's what he tweets every morning. I'm the meatiest. Good luck. <laughs> So I, I could I would like that too. I think he's a very strong champion. There's so many guys on Raw that could be vying for that title yes. because there isn't a world championship on Raw. So they kind of have to get stuck into the U.S. title picture instead. I can't believe Theory is the one out of everybody there. It's that baffling. Has the, it doesn't make any sense. Triple H, rectify this. Please. <laughs> My last stock falling, and I kind of waffled on this a little bit today, was Cody Rhodes' promo on Raw last night. This might be just me being a Cody hater, and please tell me if that's all it, all it is, Dimitri, if it's just my biases against Cody Rhodes. I was not convinced by this promo at all. To me, it was just a bunch of fucking bitching. Like, Mm -hmm. I got beat up real bad, and I didn't like getting beat up real bad. You're you're used to everyone being a victim? Well, I'm no victim, Brock Lesnar. Bro, (laughs) you sound like a fucking victim. (laughs) You sound like a victim. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'll give you this. Uh, I don't really... I'm not a big Cody guy, right? Uh, I didn't like... We're the the only wrestling podcast in existence that doesn't ship Cody Rhodes. I know, right? He's good at giving promos. He's like good at delivery and they sound like good, but like, I don't like, like what he says. I don't know. It just, it's not it for me. It just seems whack. It seems kind of corny. I don't know. When he's talking about like, and Brock Lesnar's not here. No shit. He's not here. He's wrestled on Monday since 2002, bro. It's been 21 years. I think my problem with Cody is that he's like too good. Like, he's two-faced for me. Like, I can't, like, get behind that. Like, you got to have some flaws, man. Okay? You got to be a little shitty. Just a little bit. Come on, bro. It's like the Joker in in Batman the Dark Knight. You know, every white knight has his dark side. Yes, please. Like, we need need to see some some steel, some, some ugly out of Cody. Like, use a chair, dog. Do something. Like, yeah, I... I think that's the problem. I think that's what it boils down to for me. Like when it comes to like wrestling or even just like, I don't know, athletes. If somebody's like too straight laced by the book, uh, gives the right answer all the time. I don't like them. Perfect example. Russell Wilson. I can't stand (laughs) the way Russell Wilson answers questions. Cody is basically the Russell Wilson of promos. He's <laughs> the mid god. Oh my god. Oh Jesus Christ. That's quite the sound bite right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, cl- Hey, hey Siri, clip that. Um Oh shit. Siri went off on my work phone. Oh jeez. <laughs> There's another clip. Uh, one one other thing that I wanted to talk about, but I couldn't find a, a spot, was Trish Stratus turning heel on Monday. Um, Lita was attacked backstage. Liv Morgan screamed from the pits of hell for help. 
<laughs> Becky ends up teaming with with Trish instead for their tag team title match against Liv and Raquel. Liv and Raquel, I, honestly, they out-wrestled them. Mm-hmm. They deserve those belts. I think they, you know, depending on what the, how they book the women's tag division, you know, it's always the caveat because they don't book it very well. They should be really strong and compelling champions. I think Liv can definitely cut a promo both ways, face, heel, whatever we want. They're definitely, you know, faces going out of this. Mm-hmm. But they deserve those belts. I think they will be good stewards of those belts. I'm really interested to see what happens next with those tag team championships. But once again, the women's tag team champions don't mean shit because the important part of the segment is what happened after they left the ring. They didn't even Mm -hmm. get to celebrate their title win in the ring because they had to get the fuck out of Dodge so that Trish could turn heel. Now, storyline-wise, that is the, the note that we're trying to hit is, you know, Trish having that heel turn. But it's it's shitty for Liv and Raquel. I would a big agree with all that. Yet yeah, I think it's dope as fuck for Trish to turn heel. It's cool. Nice little change of pace. Cool for a Hall of Famer to come in and have what seems to be a meaningful storyline. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's dope. Um, but yeah, it definitely sucks for Liv and Raquel to kind of be shit on like that where like you know they won the belts but then you know the big highlight is literally what happened right after um i'm intrigued to see what happens with the tag team belts uh i want some stronger women's tag teams it feels like most of the time the tag teams that happen are just random teams that are just fucking thrown together uh and to back that up Liv and Raquel are one of those tag teams. <laughs> yeah. They just so happen to work pretty well together. They're both really good at what they do. But I want like actual teams. Damage Control was supposed to be one of those teams, but I feel like they kind of got butchered when in terms of like mm-hmm. making them seem strong with booking. They've kind of been like a joke and just, you know, been somebody that you can pick up a win against quick cuz they fucked up somehow or something. Um but yeah, I would like to see some better women's tag teams that are just actual teams instead of just random thrown together people and i'm i'm excited to see trish as well 100 percent. um what are you you know looking forward to this week in wrestling what am i looking forward to brother every week it's the bloodline yeah i want to see i want to see what's happening with the bloodline it's it's been pretty consistent for me um on the internet i know people are upset still that cody didn't win boohoo cry about it we the ones you the twos Mm -hmm. shut Mm -hmm. your mouth Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i i love the storyline i'm glad they didn't just end it at wrestlemania or like you know hurt things i want to see what what's happening with roman how he feels about the usos i want to see what progresses with jay i saw that uh sammy said something to jay at the beginning of their match did you catch that i don't remember what it was i did not i didn't catch it damn i saw it on the internet somewhere i'm gonna have to look it up after the pod but i think it's something along the lines of like the bloodline is crumbling or something like that mm-hmm. something like that yeah. which is happening slowly um I'm interested to see what happens, man. Uh, just that whole storyline is good as fuck. Um, how about you? I'm I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in some of these next steps with these kind of outside of the title picture storylines in AEW. 
Um, they signed. They had a big signing last week, which I you know forgot to mention earlier. The knife pervert Jay White is is all elite. He's joining <laughs> up with um, Bullet Club member Always Hard. What Juice Robinson? <laughs> I, I mean, they Bullet Club is alive and well in AEW. Forbidden Doors coming up. There's probably going to be some other Bullet Club members that join up with them for for some kind of something. Uh, they've been beating up Ricky Starks. Uh, Brian Danielson's done being a family man. He's back to fix AEW. He the the Blackpool Combat Club have gone full heel. They are beating the shit out of everybody, including you know managers. They're not just. They're not just beating up other wrestlers. Like, Brian Danielson took a screwdriver to Hangman Adam Page's eyeball on the Jesus last Christ. Match. Like, <laughs> he is tired of the these these improfessional wrestlers at AEW, and he's here to fix them. Mm. Uh, that's very interesting. Uh, House of Black, everybody's getting on TV now. It's not just it's not just Malachi and Brody King. Uh you know, Buddy Matthews is getting time. They're getting time as a trios. Julia Hart had a great match on Rampage against Anna Jay. Um, she's now the owner of the Black Mist, apparently. <laughs> she she stole all of Malachi's supply. But there's there's all these outside storylines on AEW that keeps the rest of the show outside of the title pictures compelling. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen next with those tomorrow night on Dynamite. Beautiful. I might have to actually tune in. You just made that sound really appetizing. Watch it. <laughs> Record it. Set your DVR. You know what? It Watch does. It. Look, no joke. It records every week. I have every <laughs> episode for the past year recorded. I haven't watched any of them. <laughs> just start watching it now. It's It's been so good lately. Um, well, everyone... What, let us know on Twitter what you are excited for on with wrestling this week. You can find the podcast at Let Me Pod to You. You can follow Dimitri at Just Dimitri underscore, and you can find me if you want at We Hate Jacob. That's hate with an eight. Please give us a review on your chosen podcast platform. We're on every major network, and have a great week. See you, everyone. <laughs>